preach tonight. Come on, preacher Wesley, and preach to our hearts. He's done a fine job this morning. And, uh, boy, if you didn't get help this morning, you didn't want any help. And uh, I'm glad we can get help from his work. Make him feel welcome, all right? Y'all excuse my redneck children. I got one that's already made herself at home, took her shoes off. Uh, you got to watch her. She's redneck. She gets that from her mama. And uh, <coughs> y'all excuse her. I should have waited till she walked out before I said that. But uh, y'all, they love coming here. They, uh, I was telling Eli last night, he said, Daddy, where are we going to church tomorrow? That's one of the hard things about evangelism. And when your kid asks you where you're going tomorrow, but uh, my, my son said, Daddy, where are we going tomorrow? And I said, Turning Point. He said, All right. I said, You don't even know where that church is. He said, Yeah, I do. I said, You don't even know who's there. He said, That's Preacher Todd's church. <laughs> so, uh, so he knew exactly where we were coming. So it's good to come to a familiar place and, and where they can be comfortable. But I like, going, I like taking them to churches where, where they, 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 can, they can feel the presence of God. I, that's what I want for my kids. I want them to go to a place where they can feel the presence of the Lord moving. And uh, they know that when they get older, it don't scare them when somebody raises their hand. Somebody shouts amen. Somebody may take a lap and take off running. I don't want that to scare my kids. I want them to, I want them to know, amen. So it is good to be back tonight. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark, chapter number 8. So I, I, I'm going to tell you something, <coughs> uh, what y'all would consider gross, but I don't. But uh, my towel, uh, I have not washed this towel since I was a senior in high school. And, uh, yeah, see, y'all think it's nasty, but y'all ain't wiping y'all's face with it, amen? I, and, but everywhere I go, I've always taken this towel. I do not preach without this towel. And uh, so today I decided to wash it. Because I had all that flu on it. I didn't know what to think when I felt it. It was all good and soft and all that stuff. I told my wife, I said, smell it. She said, not on your life. She said, it ain't that clean yet, honey. Uh, but uh, y'all pray for us tonight. Uh, pray for this meeting this week. I really want God to do something. and uh, I, I, I want to hear from heaven this week. And Preacher Bob coming in. And uh, I want him to preach to us. And uh, I, I, want it to be, I want it to be better than last year. I remember last year was just amazing. Last year boosted me up and and I know that same God will be here again this year but we've got to prepare our hearts and we've got to prepare ourselves for revival the preacher's not going to bring it and that's the misconception today is we think the preacher's going to bring revival with him revival starts way before the preacher ever gets here and it starts in the heart of the people and we've got to prepare our hearts get ready to receive what God has for us so if you have your Bibles to Mark 8 would you stand with me tonight Mark chapter number 8, we're going to start reading in verse number 22. Familiar text of scripture tonight, and I'm probably not going to tell you anything that you have not ever heard. This is a familiar story throughout the word of God. Mark chapter number 8, verse number 22, if you're there, shout amen. amen. And the word of God said, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes, he had put his hand and put his hands upon him. He asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. 
After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, we love you tonight. Lord, we've come tonight, God, seeking your presence. Father God, I cannot stand here alone, God. Lord, in my flesh I will make a mess. Lord, I need your touch, God. I need your anointing. Father, I pray, God, you would speak to the hearts of your people. God, that tonight we would prepare our hearts, God, to receive this revival this week. God, we pray, Lord, that you would show up in a mighty way this week, God. Lord, we need to hear from heaven. God, we pray that you bind every hindrance of Satan, God. Loose the power of the Holy Ghost of God in this place, God. Encourage us, challenge us, convict us. Lord, we pray, God, tonight that you would cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, fill me with the Holy Ghost of God tonight. Speak to the hearts of your people. Let us feel your presence in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. Here in Mark chapter number 8, we find the story of a blind man throughout the Word of God. And if you study the Word of God often, you'll find many stories uh, having to do with blind men. Uh, You see that Jesus, in just a few more chapters, Jesus is going to heal blind Bartimaeus. He's healed two other blind men before. I mean, Jesus is concerned with the blind. We've seen that Jesus has healed or He's raised the dead. He's he's made the lame to walk. He's made dumb to talk. He's done all these things. But in all the Gospels, we continue to find the story of Jesus healing the blind. And I began to ask myself, I said, why is that so important that it's recorded on so many different occasions? Because maybe Jesus did more uh, that we do not know of, but why is it continually recorded that He's healed the blinded eyes? What is so important about Jesus healing the blind? And I began to study and I found out that Scripture answers that question. The Bible said where there is no vision, the people will perish. Where there is no vision. God is concerned with the way that we see things today. So many of us uh, have got our vision blurred on what sin is. Uh, What is sin today or or what is sin 20 years ago is not considered sin today. We've allowed stuff to be socially accepted and we've accepted it. But God is concerned with the way that we see things. Uh, He's He's concerned with the vision of His people. I've heard people say that it's all right to shack up. It's all right to do these things. Uh, But that's... That is still wrong. It was wrong 20 years ago. It's still wrong today. But we, we've changed our views on it. That's the thing people say. Well, my views have changed. I've changed. <coughs> Excuse me. I've changed the way I see things. I've changed the way that I view these things. But God never intended for us to change the way that we read black and white. Amen. I began to study this blind man. And I began to study the significance of what is taking place in Mark chapter number 8. Each and every time Jesus heals a blind man, He heals them a little bit differently. Now here in Mark chapter number 8, there's a great story for you and I. There's a great example for you and I. Number one, when He healed this man, the Bible said first thing He did is He removed him from where He was. He removed him. Now, I'm going to help you tonight. I promise we're going somewhere. 
But he took him by his hand and he removed him. But you got to go back just a little bit. The Bible said when they heard that Jesus was coming, they, they took a blind man unto him. Now hold on a second. Who is they in the text? Who is they? They is plural. It's more than one. Somebody cared enough about this blind man to go get him and get him to Jesus. My question to you this week is, do you care enough about your lost loved ones to get them to the house of God this week? Do you care enough about them to call them and say, we got revival going on and there's a big God that's there. He can help you. He can heal you. He can do all these things for you. But many of us don't care enough about the lost to go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. We don't want them to think we're holy rollers. We don't want them to think this or think that. I don't care what they think. If they need a touch from God, I know where they can find it. Amen. I want to go get them and get them to where God is. These people cared enough about a man that nobody else cared about. In these times, blind men were considered to be less than men. They didn't have a job. They couldn't make money. People would walk by them as they were on the wayside begging and they would spit on them. They would kick them. They would mock them and persecute them because they were low down and nobody cared. But somebody somewhere heard Jesus was coming and said maybe he can heal the blind man. Maybe he can touch the blind man. They cared enough about a man nobody else cared about to go get him. But yet we can't go get a lost loved one and try to get him to the house of God. We've got to care about the lost. We've got to care about sinners. Our job is not just in here. Our job is out there to let a lost and a dying world know that there is a God in heaven. There is a Jesus that can save. There is blood that can wash away your sins. We've got to go get them and get them to where Jesus is. Stop trying to change them out there and let God change them in here. We've got too many people trying to change the lost. That ain't your job. Your job is to catch the fish and Jesus will clean the fish and prepare the fish. We've got to go get them how they are. They may not look like us. They may not dress like us. They may not talk like us. They may not even smell like us. But that ain't our job. Our job's just to get them to Jesus and He will do the rest. We've got too many people trying to clean the fish before they even catch them. Here they are and they go get this blind man and they send him to Jesus. And the Bible said Jesus removed him. Now that struck me right there. Y'all mind if I get comfortable? The Bible said Jesus removed him. Now I said, why did you take him out? Why did, preacher Damon, why didn't Jesus just when they brought him to him said, all right, you're healed. Open your eyes and be done. I mean, why did he have to remove him from where he was? Well, I had to study deeper. Back in the book of Matthew, Jesus has already been to Bethsaida. He's already been there one time. And the people from Bethsaida, they rejected Jesus. They rejected who he said he was. They rejected the man. They rejected the message. They rejected his miracles. There was no way that he was the Messiah. And Jesus 
Jesus said it would be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in that time. He cursed the ground. That's what that is. That's a curse upon the ground. He said it would be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon. So Jesus had already cursed the ground of Bethsaida, but yet He still was walking through there. You say, preacher, that don't mean nothing to me. Well, if you remember correctly, hey, we this land, this earth, we all got cursed by sin. But aren't you glad that one day Jesus came and walked back through? Aren't you glad that He came and He bled and He died for us? And the Bible tells us that after He ascended to the Father, that we got the Holy Ghost that now walks among this place. And He's still calling hearts. He's still drawing people. I'm glad that Jesus just don't curse the ground and be done with us. That He gives us another chance. That He keeps calling unto us. That Jesus is still passing by our way. I'm glad for the day that as a little boy, Jesus passed by my way. I'm glad that I had parents that took me to church, that went to church with me. Sometimes they drugged me to church. But I sure am glad that they did that because one day I met a man passing by that changed my life forever. Hey, sometimes you just need to thank God that he's still passing by. They said Jesus was passing by and Jesus took him and removed him. He had to remove him from the crowd. He had to remove him from the crowd of people. See, we've got it mixed up today. We've got these new, these new fancy contemporary jobs popping up uh, all over the United States. Uh, and I'll say, I won't go to church there. Uh, they only go on Sunday mornings. Uh, they don't care what you wear. Uh, you can come in there with your ball cap on. Uh, you can drink coffee while they up there preaching. Uh, everybody goes there. Uh, see, we've got it all mixed up. Uh, we think just because the crowd's there uh, that the Christ is there. Uh, but inside of this text, uh, the crowd Christ wasn't where the crowd was. The Christ, I feel the Lord out there. The Christ was moving. The Christ was going somewhere else. The crowd's still over there. But the Christ was over here. See, just give me two or three of you that want to go to church. We ain't got to have 10,000. We ain't got to have 500 or 100. I just need two of you that want to go to church. And the Bible said, where two or three are gathered in His name, there He will be. It ain't about the crowd, friend. It ain't about everybody else. It's about the Christ. And if He says, come on, then I'm going. If He draws me away, then I'm going. Because I would rather be with the Christ than stick with the crowd and lose my blessing. I'd rather be with the Christ than to stay with the crowd and not get what I need. But there's too many of us wanting to hang out with the crowd and not the Christ. People come to church because they want to hang out with a crowd. I didn't come to church tonight uh, to hang out with a bunch of people. I came to church tonight to see one person. Everybody else is a bonus, but I came to see one person. I came to get in the presence of Jehovah God. I came to see Him. And if you came for any other reason, friend, you need to get your mind right because you came for the wrong reason. It ain't about being seen. It ain't about getting a pat on the back. It ain't about somebody saying that's a good song. See us. That was a good message right there. I don't care if you tell me it was a good message or not. I didn't come here for that. 
I came here to get in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes you've got to understand, He's got to draw you away from the crowd you're running with. If you ever want to see Him clearly, you can't hang out with the same hellish crowd over here and want God to bless you. You've got to break away from that crowd. You've got to get away from those people. Sometimes it's people that cause us to miss the blessing. Sometimes it's our friends we hanging out with. Well, preacher, I just went to the bar with them the other night to hear a country concert. I didn't drink. You shouldn't have been in the bar room in the first place. If those people you hang out with are trying to take you to the bar room, you need to break away from them. We want to go to the bar room on Friday night and hear a good country concert and want to come in here and think God's going to bless us on Sunday. But God does not bless sin. We've got to break away from the crowd. We can't act like the crowd. We can't dress like the crowd. We can't talk like the crowd. The Bible says that we should come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Hey, we got to be different than everybody else. The Bible says we are a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. But we want to act like the world. Heard a man say the other day on the radio, he was preaching, he said the best thing. He said, we've got it backwards. He said, we've got it completely backwards. He said, the church is becoming worldly. And the world's becoming churchy. See, there's millions of people that went to a church house today and they never heard a gospel song sang. They never heard the gospel preached. And they're sitting at their house right now thinking everything's fine between them and God. See, we need some preachers to get back in the pulpit. That's why I hang out with the men I hang out with. I don't care about hanging out with the younger generation that want to get up there and water down the gospel. I want a red-faced, red-necked, spitting preacher to tell me when I'm wrong, to tell me that the Bible says I'm wrong. I want somebody to get in my face and tell me to live godly. I want somebody to hold me accountable. Hey, that's why I hang out with the men I hang out with. If you ain't hanging out with people that's putting life back, into you, get away from them. If you're hanging around stuff that's not putting life into you, you need to break away from it. We don't need to be hanging around with dead things. If they're not putting life in you, if they're not helping you, if they're not bringing joy to you, sometimes we got to break away from the crowd that we're running with. Well, preacher, I'm just trying to tell them about Jesus. No, you ain't. No, you ain't. You're trying to act just like they are. Trying to fit in with the crowd. Hey, listen, I know it's hard. I know it's hard to stand out among a crowd and be different. I know it's hard to stand up sometimes for what you believe in when you're the only one around that believes in it. Amen. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to work in in a secular job where everybody around you is cussing like a sailor. They're doing stuff they they, they shouldn't be doing. uh, Cheating on their wives, doing all this stuff. uh, And you're the one that's going to bow your head and pray at the dinner table. I know it's hard to be different sometimes. uh, But I promise you this. uh, Those people will see that uh, and they will respect that. Uh, They may not right now but when they get in trouble and they need help you'll be the first one they call we've got to set an example we got to say I would rather go with Jesus than go with everybody else that's the example that the church needs to be setting he had to remove him from the crowd but he had to remove him from the constraints of the people how many times somebody told him he couldn't 
How many times do you think somebody went by him and told him, there ain't no way you ever going to make it. You always just going to be just what you are. You just, you just an old blind man. Hey, you just an old drunk. You, you just an old this. You just an old that. Ain't nobody care about you. See, I know how that feels for somebody to tell you that you ain't never going to be nothing. That you ain't never going to make it. I, I, I may have told y'all this before. Uh, Lord, I, I, I don't know. But I had a teacher in high school. He hated my guts. I mean, I know he hated my guts. You say, how you know? He told me he hated my guts. I mean, he hated me. I mean, this man despised me. But now, I listen now, I wasn't the, the most model student either. I would push his buttons just because. And he hated me, and I didn't really like him too much. But I remember one day we was out at PE, and this man looked at me, and he said this. He said, you will never be nothing but white trash. And for a 17-year-old boy, I was about to go get him. You know, we was about to brawl right there. But, but, but he hurt my feelings now. I ain't going to lie. That broke my heart. That broke my spirit. And I remember sitting in English class later that day. And I was sitting in my chair thinking, man, maybe he's right. I ain't going to be nothing. I ain't never going to be nothing. I mean, all these feelings came on me. And man, he just, he had ruined, he had ruined my day. But I remember I had this little English teacher. She stood about yay tall. She was a little thing. And she'd come by my desk and she'd put her hand on my shoulder. And she'd say, son, I just want you to know that God... God's got great plans for you. If you just surrender your life to Him, God's got great plans for you. And she'd say, son, I just want you to know that I love you. And she'd encourage me and lift me up. Well, I remember the day that I answered the call to preach. I called that little old English teacher. And I said, I just want to tell you that God done something for me. That God helped me. That God called me to the ministry. And watch this now. I said, by the way, tell your mean old husband that I did make it. See, the man that hated me was her husband. Hey, she loved me. He hated me. I said, go tell your husband that God done something in my life and that I am something, that I am going to be something. But I know how it feels when people tell you that you can't. I know how it feels when people say you ain't never going to be nothing. Jesus said you can't be around that mess. I've got to get you out of there so you will believe and you will know that if I say you can do it, then you can do it. You can't live in negativity. You can't live over there thinking that I can't. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ. You've got to know tonight that the world may say you can't, but God says you can. The world may say that there's no way you can be a young person living for God, but God says you can. Huh? Amen. He had to remove him from the constraints, from the comfort. Now, I know I've told y'all this before, but when I was in EMS, we had to go pick up a man that was blind and, and he had strings all over his house. All over his house, preacher taught everywhere when we got in there. And I didn't know what was going on. We first walked in there and his name was John. And, and the first time I ever went over there, the medic walked in the house and I was behind him. And he said, hey, John, come in here. I looked at the medic. I said, hey, Bo, he's blind. He's blind, right? He said, yeah, but just watch him. 
he'd get up, he'd take two steps over to the right, and he'd put his hand up and he'd grab that string. And that string would take him straight to his chair. And he'd sit down in his chair. He'd say, John, you got any medicine? John said, yeah, over there in the cabinet. He said, go get it. I said, hey, man, he's blind. He said, just watch him. He took one step over to the left at that chair. He reached up, grabbed that string, and he went straight to his medicine cabinet, turned around and come straight back. There was sometimes that you forgot that John was blind. I walked outside one day and we was going to the truck. And I said, hey, John, come on. He said, hey, man, I'm blind. I said, well, yeah, you got a point. <coughs> you say, preacher, why do you say that? Inside of his house, he could move around just like he wanted to. He was comfortable in there. He knew that house better than anybody else, and he could move around. But when you got him outside his comfort zone, when you got him on the outside, he couldn't move as fast. He couldn't go nowhere. All of a sudden, this man that would walk around in his house with his chest poked out is now walking around like this, scared to death. See, that's Christians today. God's calling us to be more than what we are. Do you know God never saved you just to sit on a pew? Do you know God never saved you just to be a church member? God saved you to make a difference in this world, to let people know that there is a God that can save them. But you've got to step out outside your comfort zone and do something you ain't never done before. If you want to see like you ain't never seen before, you've got to do something you ain't never done before. Hey, you've got to pray like you ain't never prayed before. You've got to worship like you've never worshipped before. You've got to get over everything else. Get out of your comfort zone and follow after the Lord. If the Lord has you, He will protect you. Stand up, preacher. Ah, this is how I would take John to the truck. I would take his elbow and put it in my chest right here. And I would take his hand and I would lead him like this. If I turned that way, he went that way. I turned this way, he went that way. And I would walk him. One day I was being a smart aleck. And I looked at John. I, I said, how you know I ain't going to run you in that tree over yonder? He stopped right, right where he was and he looked over at me. He said, I just trust the one that's got me by the hand. See, you got hey, hey, see, you got you to gotta go back in the text. The Bible said that he took him by the hand and led him out of town. You got to trust the one that's got you by the hand. It don't matter where we're going. I don't know where we're going. I don't know how long it's going to take to get there. But I do know this. I know the one that holds me by my hand. And I know he ain't going to let me fall. He's going to hold me up. I don't know where God's leading me. But I know this. God is leading me. And as long as he's leading me, I will be fine. Hey, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Hey, I'm glad today. If God be for me, who can be against me? As long as he's got you by your hand, it don't matter where you end up. He's still got you. He's still holding your hand. It don't matter how many millions of miles you gotta go. He's got you by the hand and he ain't gonna let you fall. When you're being led by God, he will take care of everything else. Uh, hey, I'm a living testimony to that. Amen. Uh, didn't know where we going. I still don't know where we going. Uh, I don't know where I'll be a year from now. I'll be honest with you. I don't know where I'll be two weeks from now. Uh, I don't know where we going. 
And I don't know what God's doing. I don't know God's plans for me. But sometimes I just got to remember, He's got me by my hand. And as long as He's leading me, as long as He's going, He's walking the path before I ever get there. Before I ever walked up on that tree, He done made a way around it. See, y'all missing that. Before I ever got out there, He's already walked the path and cleared the way. See, I'm glad for a God that'll go before me. I'm glad for a God that's been there before I ever got there. Before you ever walked in that doctor's office, He had already been there. Before you ever walked into that trouble, He had already been there. See, God knows where you're going before you ever get there. And He's got a way for you to go. If you'll just hold Him by His hand, He will lead. He will guide. He will direct. If you just trust Him. He had to remove him away from his comfort. See, some of us need to get out of our comfort zone. I go to churches all over, and I see some holy people. I see some religious people. I see people that the preacher said they've been here since the church opened, all this stuff. But I never see them move out of their pew and get on their face before God. You say, preacher, what does that matter? I still believe in the altar. I still believe in meeting God. And I don't know, maybe you got this whole thing called life figured out, but I don't. And there's times, every time I'm in His presence, boy, I want to get on my face and I want to pray. But yet we can't get out of our comfort zone long enough to get on our face. See, I'm comfortable in my pew, preacher. This is my pew. This is where I sit every Sunday. I'm comfortable. See, you can see the snot rags and everything that I leave here every week. My Bible that I leave here. Everything else that I leave here. This is my pew. And you're just comfortable sitting where you've sat for the last umpteen years or the umpteen services. You ain't never moved out of that pew. Altar call after altar call after altar call. Well, preacher, if I go, they'll think something's wrong. Let them think I'm crazy. I don't really give a rip. I'm there to meet with God. I'm there to meet with Him. I need His direction. And if it just takes me getting up out of my seat and taking a few steps and falling on my face, He's done more for me than that. I can break out of my comfort zone for a minute just to meet with Him. We won't God's blessing but we don't want to do the work to get it we want revival this week oh everybody's excited about revival but you don't want to do the work to get it see we just think God's just going to give it hey there's places in the Bible you'll find these men look for stuff Noah found grace you know what that tells me it means he was looking for it David found five smooth stones. You know what that tells me? He is looking for them. Sometimes you got to go looking for it. We just want God to show up like a genie in the bottle and rub the bottle, get our three wishes, and then go on back to the house. But if we want revival, it starts right here. Amen. It starts about breaking out of where we're living and the people we're living around. Well, preacher, those are my friends. If they're not putting life in you, they're not your friends. Amen. Uh, number two. This is easy as cornbread. Joe, this ain't, this ain't hard. This is simple stuff. He removed him. Number two. He restored him. Amen. That ain't hard. We ain't going theologically crazy. I mean, this is simple stuff. He restored him. Look at the text. The Bible said, And when he had led him out of town, and when he had spit on his eyes and touched him. Now, I don't know if you read your Bible like I do. 
But I got stuck right, right about you on there. He said he spit on his eyes. I said, Lord, that don't make a lick of sense. If that makes sense to you, then man, you're going to have to talk after service because it just don't, it don't make sense to me. Because over in John, the Bible said that a blind man came to him and he spat on the ground. He made clay with his spittle. He put it on the man's eyes, told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam and he came for sin. Lord, why didn't you spit on the ground? Why did you do it for him, but not for him? You said you spit on his eyes. Why did you spit on my man's eyes? I mean, think about it. He's got led out of town. He don't know where he's going. And he's sitting there thinking, I'm about to get my sight. Hey, Jesus is about to help me. And all of a sudden, can you honestly feel what he felt right about then? He had been spit on before. Can you imagine what went on in his mind? I, I can only imagine. Maybe, maybe he said, did, did, did Jesus just spit on me? Why did he spit on me? Everybody else that comes by that mocks me is spitting on me. And I've got drug all the way out here to get spit on? It don't make a lick of sense. And so I started praying. I said, Lord, you're going to have to tell me why you spit on him. I don't understand it. I, I prayed for weeks, man. I, I mean, I sought God in this thing. And finally one day I was in my office and I was under my desk praying. And I said, God, please tell me why you spit on his eyes. Lord, I just don't understand it. God would just show me something. And I came up from that desk. I did the best thing you can possibly do. I googled the word spit. See, some of y'all don't even know what Google is. I Googled the word spit. You can find out everything you need to know if you just put it in Google. You can find out how to do brain surgery if you put it in Google. I Googled the word spit. Now I'm telling you, we're going somewhere. All of a sudden, I started getting happy. I started reading about spit. Preacher Damon, and you know what I found out? I found out there's one good thing in your spit. It's called your DNA. Everything you are, everything I said, everything Thing. Y'all, y'all missing this thing. I'm telling you. I said everything you are is inside of your spit. They can trace your DNA through your saliva. I said, God, why'd you spit on him? He said, because I took everything that I am and I put it on his eyes. You say, preacher, who is it? Let me just remind you. The Bible said that he's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and the morning star. He is the rose of Sharon. He is altogether lovely. He's the line of the tribe of Judah. He is the Alpha and He is the Omega. He's the beginning and He is the end. He is the first and He is the last. He's the lover of my soul. He's my salvation. He's my redemption. He's my justification. He's my shelter. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my buckler. He's my bread. He's my water. He's my door. He's my everything. He's my all in all. He said, I took everything that I am. And I put it on his eyes. Somebody in here needs to understand that everything he is lives inside of you. You say, prove it to me, I will. The Bible said when you got saved, you entered into a blood covenant. Guess what's in his blood? His DNA is in his blood. So everything he is lives inside of you. He said, I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We as Christians uh, need to sit, quit sitting around in the mully grubs uh, and get up uh, and understand uh, that greater is he uh, that is in me. Uh, I've got all of him uh, inside of my heart. Uh, I'm glad uh, that he spit on him. Uh, Lord, if you got a spit, uh, spit on me. 
Some of y'all, some of y'all just missed a good chance. Some of y'all just missed a great opportunity to say amen. Y'all missed it. It's gone now. But watch now. Said he spit on him. Now I know I got some rednecks around here. Amen. Some of y'all looking down. You're the ones I'm talking to. I'm a good spitter. I've been spitting a long time. Dusty's so redneck from Tennessee, boy, he know I'm talking about the good spitters. Uh, them boys over there spit a mile and hit a hit a penny, boy. I mean, hey, I I'm a good spitter now. I'm telling you, I mean, I can hit my mark. But you know what, Joe? If I was gonna spit in your eyes, I couldn't do it from right here. Uh, see, y'all missing it right now. See, 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 see. If you see, see, if you want the blessing of God, you can't be living over here. See, when he spit on him, he's going to have to be right up on him. He's got to be close to him. See, there's some of us wanting the blessing of God, but we still living over here, straddling the fence, saying, God, spit on me if you want to. God saying, I ain't spitting that far. You got to get close to me. You got to be beside me. Hey, the Bible said in John chapter number 20, after Jesus had resurrected, that he went into the upper room. The Bible said they were all locked in and the doors were shut and he appeared into the room. He didn't have no invitation. He just showed up. And the Bible said that he breathed on them and said receive ye the Holy Ghost and said peace be unto you. God I don't care what you're doing. Lord I don't care when you're doing it. Just don't do it without me. God if you want to breathe, breathe on me. God if you want to spit, spit on me. God if you want to sit, sit on me. I don't care. But Lord whatever you're doing, I want to be so close to you that you ain't going to do it without me there. See, that should be our prayer today. He healed him with spit, but he healed him with stages. <coughs> he spit on his eyes, and he touched him. No, 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 watch this, don't miss this. This is the hand. This is the hand that was going to hold our sin. This is the hand that in the beginning they created man in their image and likeness. He was there when they created him. This is the hand that could have drew out the mountains. This is that hand. And he put that hand on that man's eyes. And he asked him if he saw all. And the man said, I see men as trees walking. I said, oh Lord, I'm up on my desk jumping up and down thanking God for spit. But now I'm stuck again. I said, Lord, why can't he see? Does that make sense to anybody? I just told you everything that was in his spit. And then he touched him. And the man said, I see men as trees walking. I said, Lord, that don't make no sense. I mean, this whole story, it does not make any sense to me, God. Lord, why can't he see? He should, be, I mean, he should be seeing everything he wants. He should be seeing for three miles. He was touched by Jesus. Amen. <laughs> he said, I see men as trees walking. I said, Lord, that don't make no sense. I said, Lord, why? Why didn't you heal him? Lord said, read it again, son. I read it again. I read it eight times, Joe. Eight times. And I finally saw it. Verse 24, I believe. He asked him if he saw it. And what does the blind man say? What's the first two words? And he said, I, what? Come on, help me out. What'd he say? What'd he say? Say it again. Now hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Verse 23 said he was a blind man. Verse 24, the blind man said what? See, See, that's where God got me right there. That's where God got me right there. Watch this now. Watch this now. 
That's how I feel, God. Watch it now. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Don't miss it. We, he ain't what he's going to be. But he ain't what he used to be. See, see, y'all, some of y'all missed a good chance right yonder. He ain't what he's going to be yet. But thank God he ain't what he used to be. He didn't deserve any of it. But now this blind man said, I see. See, listen to me now. Some of you say, I don't know the Bible as good as somebody else. But you know what? You ain't what you used to be. Hey, there's some of you in here saying, I don't know everything there is to know about Christianity and about church. But I ain't what I used to be. I may not be the smartest preacher you ever hear. I may not be the best at rhetoric you ever hear, but I ain't what I used to be. See, 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 some of us need to get that. The blind man says, I see. God didn't have to do anything for him. Jesus didn't have to do nothing for him, but he chose to change him. He chose to make him different. Jesus could have walked away right there and left him better than what he found him. This man was healed with stages. You say, preacher, how you know? I know because of this. The Bible said he saw men's trees walking and Jesus touched him again. You got to remember that word right yonder. Again. See, he touched him again. He didn't deserve the first touch, but Jesus touched him again. You say, preacher, what's that? When you were lost in sin, he touched you the first time. When you got saved, but since then your body's been sick and he touched you again. Since then you've had problems, but he's touched you again. Since then you've went through trials But he's touched you again You didn't deserve the first one You didn't earn the first one But thanks be to God He'll touch you again And again And again Am I talking to anybody That's ever been touched again Am I talking to anybody That God's ever touched Over and over and over again Aren't you glad tonight That he's a merciful God That he'll touch you again When you need it If I had more, I'd give it to you. See, y'all trying to be all dignified. Uh, Hey, listen, I'm thinking, God, He touched me again. Uh, He touched me as a little boy and I got saved. But then I walked away from Him. But one day He reached His hand way down and He touched me again. Since then, I've had hardships. I've had times in my life I didn't think I was going to make it. But He reached way down and He touched me again. See, some of y'all need to get excited that He'll touch you a second time and a third time and a fourth time. Somebody in here needs to get excited that He's a God that touches His people. He's a God that'll reach where. Ask Buddha if he'll touch you. Ask Muhammad if he'll touch you. Ask Confucius if he'll touch you. And I'll say no. But you ask Jesus, will you touch me? He'll say yes every time. I'm glad for the day that he touched me. Oh, thank God that he touched me. And all the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. And now I know he touched me. And made me whole. I won't get around some undignified people. Hey man, somebody just say, thank God he touched me. This blind man didn't deserve it, but he touched him again. He healed him with spit and he healed him with stages. He touched him again. Now watch this and we're done. Some of y'all saying, you lie. You ain't been preaching. 
30 minutes. Usually preach higher. We about done right here. Watch now. The Bible said he touched him again. The Bible said, and he was restored. And saw every man clearly. Now watch, 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 watch. First of all, you got to notice the wording. He restored. You know what that tells me, Dusty? That tells me that he had seen before. That tells me he's seen before. He didn't repair him. He restored him. He restored him. The word restore breaks down and shows you that he was restored back to normal condition, back to first condition, back to quality condition. He had seen before, but somewhere along the way, he had lost his sight. See, there's some of us today, we've been in the goodness of God. We've seen the goodness of God, but somewhere along the way, we've just lost our sight. Somewhere along the way, we've got our eyes off of God. We've grew up in church. We know the stories. We know the songs. We know the scripture, but somewhere along the way, preacher, I don't know what happened but I just can't see no more. I'm just blinded right now. Sin will blind you. Sin will mar you. And sin will scar you. But aren't you glad? All you got to do is say, Lord Jesus, would you touch me again? And he'll restore you. He'll restore that sight. The Bible said that he saw every man clearly. Have you ever thought, Preacher Damon, what's the first thing that the man saw? Is that just just logical, is it not? If he's standing close to Jesus, where Jesus can reach out his hand and touch him, what was the first thing that he saw? He saw the Lord. See, see, preacher, how how are you going to tie all this up? I got to thinking. When we lost our first baby, I was devastated. I was in shock, but before long, bitterness set in and then anger and all these things set in, preacher. And I said, God, where are you in this? The first shift, I go back to work. I'm on the ambulance and a woman <coughs> seems to be having a miscarriage. And I'm in the back of the truck with her, Joe Beth, and and I'm sitting right here on the bench seat in an ambulance and I'm trying to comfort this woman. I mean, I lean over Dusty and put my hand on her hand. And I told her, I said, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you and I'm so sorry that you're having to go through this. Me and my wife just went through this and I know how bad you must feel. She jerked her hand away and she said, I'm not feeling bad at all. She said, I'm not feeling bad because this baby's not my husband's. I got up from the bench seat and I sat in the captain's chair behind her all the way to the hospital. We got to the hospital and I was waiting on the doctor to tell her that she had lost her baby. They did an ultrasound and found a heartbeat and he said, everything's fine. And I walked out of the room and I kid you not, think bad of me if you want to. But I walked out of the room and I slammed that door and I went about three rooms down and I closed the door and I said, God, this is messed up. 
Lord, you don't care about me. God, you're going to let somebody like that have a baby. And we're trying to serve you. We're paying our tithes. We're being faithful. We're praying. And God, you're going to let somebody like that have a child. That's not fair, God. That's not right, God. Where are you in my life? If you're showing up in hers, where are you in mine, God? This ain't right. Right then, I know what the blind man thought. When he said, I see many trees walking, I did not understand it. My vision was blurred. I said, God, it don't make no sense. But just the other night, I was at home and I took my little baby girl and I threw her up in the air and she said, oh, daddy. And you say, preacher, what's that got to do with anything? The Holy Ghost of God reminded me, had I not took that first one, you wouldn't have that one. See, sometimes we can't see God when it's going on. But Jesus, hey, right then in my spirit, I felt God saying, can you see me now, son? Can you see me now. I've got a plan that's beyond yours. I've got a plan that's better than yours. Had I gave you that baby, you wouldn't have what you have now. You may not be where you are now. Can you see me now, son? See, some of us don't see God in it all. Our vision is blurred. But when He touches you, but when He touches you, oh, but when He touches you, I can hear Him say, can you see me now? See, it was after we lost that baby that God began to deal with my heart about preaching. Had He gave me that child, I may have never listened to His call. But God had to break me. God had to break me all the way down to get me to where I could see Him clearly. And that's what He does to us sometimes. God, I don't understand it. It don't make no sense. My blind man opened his eyes. And he saw Jesus. And Jesus returned him. Watch this now. He said, go into the town. Don't tell it to any in the town. I said, Lord, why did you tell him not to tell it? I would have been running back into town, Joe. You would have been jumping back into town telling everybody, look what he done. Look what he done. And Jesus said, son, when I touch you, you ain't got to go tell everybody. They'll see it. He walked He walked out like this And he walked back in Can't you see the people over in the side Is that the blind man going yonder You sure that's the blind man right yonder What in the world Is that him See when God touches you Everybody around you will be able to see it See <coughs> If there has never been a change in your life, there has never been salvation. (coughs) You said, preacher, that's judgmental. No, that's scriptural. The Bible says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Jesus don't touch you to leave you the same. He'll change you. He returned this man changed and he returned him complete. He returned this man different. And I got to thinking about that. And this is where we close, right here. <coughs> Joe, the man saw Jesus. Preacher, he saw Jesus. This man can't be free will Baptist. I don't believe it. Because if he was free will Baptist, he probably would have said, all right, see you next year. So that's what we do, Preacher Dan. We, we come to revival once a year, maybe Easter. We only come when we need something from God. You know, Wednesday nights ain't that important. You know, 
That's how we think. But I got to thinking, maybe this man saw Jesus, saw the one that healed him, and out there in the middle of nowhere, maybe this man got on his face and said, Lord, nobody else loved me. Nobody else cared about me. Everybody would walk by me and hit me, make fun of me. But God, you love me. Lord, you touch me. And Lord, I just want to say thank you. Lord, I'm here tonight just to say thank you. Thank you, God. Maybe somewhere out there in the middle of nowhere, Joe. Maybe he thanked God. Maybe he thanked God. Lord, thank you for touching me. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord. For caring about me. Touching me. Say, preacher, what's what you talking about? Come on, see this place softly. <coughs> preacher, what you talking about? When's the last time? When's the last time you just got on your face? Kneeled down before God. Said, God, I just want to thank you. Lord, I just want to thank you. Lord, I just want to thank you. As you stand to your feet all over the house. Maybe tonight it'd do us some good. I've tried everything else. (coughs) Maybe it'd do us some good just just to kneel down just to get out of our comfort zone just to get out of where we always are what's it going to take for God to move our hearts to thanksgiving what's it going to take what does he have to do Dusty just to get me to say thank you what does he have to do what is he going to have to do? What do you, hold on. What do you need God to do to get you out of your seat to say thank you? Does he got to give you a million dollars? Does he got to give you a new house, a new car? What does he have to do? He saved you. He touched you. He changed you. He loved you when nobody else did. What more does he got to do? Thank you. Maybe you're here tonight and you ain't been living right. (laughs) Maybe you've been hanging out with the wrong crowd. Maybe you've been around the wrong people. Maybe you're in the wrong place in your life right now. Maybe you just can't see real good. Why don't you come tonight and say, Lord, would you touch me? God, would you touch me one more time? Lord, I know. Lord, I'm not no. I'm honest. I know I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. God, I know I've messed up. God, I know I've done wrong. God, I know. But Lord, if you just touch me, Lord, if you just touch me, just come tonight. Would you just step out of where you are? 
Don't worry. Preacher, people are going to think something. I don't care. It's not about the people. It's about God. God's waiting to touch you tonight. See, he begins to sing. Maybe some more need to come. And hear my was your last chance. You say, Preacher, I've heard that my whole time. You can't scare me. You can't scare me. I'm not trying to. I wish I could. What if this was the last time that you were ever in the presence of Jesus and the next time you see him, he casts you away. Or the next time you see him, he judges you for the stuff that you've done. This may be it. Preacher, oh, no, no, you don't know. No, I don't. But I do know. I do know the scripture. And the Bible said, he shall not always strive with men. He's not going to fight with you, friend. There's going to come a day that he's done. I believe that. I believe in crossing the dead line of God. There's going to come a time that he's not going to do it. Well, that'd be a shame to stand in front of him and say, God, you dealt with me over and over and over, and I reject you.